Hi, my name is Dr. Mark Gowndary, and I'm an infectious diseases specialist in New Orleans. Hi, my name is Hope Pickerson, and I'm a health education specialist and reporter. This is the Noise Filter Podcast, where an infectious diseases physician, that's me, and a health education expert, that's me, talk about what you need to know about COVID-19, as well as community and public health. For more information about Noise Filter, your public health podcast, to watch and share our incredible informative animations, visit us at noisefiltershow.com. So let's get started. How one state is helping people now that the eviction ban is over. Now, the national eviction moratorium given by the CDC and followed by the U.S. government allowed millions of people to be able to stay in their homes, even if they couldn't pay their rent after losing their jobs during the pandemic. But now that eviction ban is over and landlords now have the right to kick people out, but one state is doing their best to help. Because according to NPR in Memphis, Tennessee, each tenant is called up for their case in eviction court with Judge Phyllis Gardner asking the question, are you interested in the rental assistance program? For the tenants who show up for their court dates, judges regularly extend cases weeks into the future and highly encourage tenants to meet with the Memphis area legal services attorney who are housed in the same building to help the tenants start applications for rental aid. That, my friends, I have to say, is so cool, right? So these people are going to court and the judges are like, oh, by the way, we have a whole other option to keep you in your house. And these are the attorneys that you can go to. And they're called the Memphis Area Legal Service Attorneys. And they can fill out the paperwork for you so that you can get aid to stay in your house. How cool is that? All right. Now, Congress appropriated $46 billion in the U.S. Treasury Department's Emergency Rental Assistance Program to be distributed by states and localities. Now, the federal aid means that even tenants facing deep rental debt have the chance to continue to stay in their homes. And if tenants apply and are approved, the program will pay up to 12 months of back rent plus one month of future rent. And this is a great program. We all need to know more about this. Now, Treasury officials note that the program lasts three years and the White House has been urging state and local elected officials to move more aggressively to distribute these funds. But this hasn't been an issue for Tennessee because by July 31st, they distributed more than half of their $28 million allotment. One Memphis resident was especially grateful for the program as she lost her job in July and fell behind on rent. She said she's surprised by the court's efforts to steer people toward the rental assistance. She said, I wasn't expecting that, but it made me feel good to know that they are giving that information out because a lot of people don't know about it, and I didn't. Landlords aren't required to accept the federal money, and they can still move to evict people if they want to. Thankfully, legal aid attorneys say that when landlords won't take the funds, the tenant who's approved for rental assistance can receive that funding directly. With millions of Americans behind on rent due to the pandemic, hopefully more states will provide direct assistance like Tennessee. A little can go a long way to help people get back on their feet and stay in their homes.
stop all respiratory viruses at the same time. Yay, I like this one. This one was written by our co-host, Hope Hickerson. All right. <laughs> Throughout history, people have eventually found ways to eliminate bacteria and viruses from public consumption. All it took were public health efforts designed to stop the outbreaks before they happened. However, the coronavirus has made it painfully clear that we missed something. According to The Atlantic, London destroyed cholera in the 19th century with a new sewage system. The city's drinking water was intermingling with human waste, and they figured out that separating the sewer systems would keep people from dying. It works, and they never had another death from cholera. Amazing. And do you know that not only, because my wife reminds me of this because she's a city planner, not only did that, what happened in London, gave birth to two professions overnight. One was the profession of epidemiology, which mm -hmm. is what I do. Mm -hmm. And the second one was the profession of city planning, which is what my wow. wife Wow. I didn't realize that. Wow. Right? Because they, they started to figure, oh, wait a second, maybe if we plan how we build out a city, right. <laughs> that that couldn't affect the public's health. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> the United States eliminated yellow fever and malaria with a combination of pesticides, wide-scale landscape management, and window screens that work together to keep the number of infected mosquitoes down. One by one, other diseases such as dysentery, typhoid, typhus became a thing of the past as public health efforts worked to protect us all. Now, even with all of our efforts of controlling the spread of disease in water systems and from insects, there was one glaring oversight, air. The air that is around all of us, the air we breathe, that keeps us alive. We forgot about air. Had we shifted public health efforts to protect us from viruses that transmit through the air, we would have been better prepared when the coronavirus struck. Right. Because in the beginning of the pandemic, the thought was that the novel coronavirus spread like the flu through droplets that quickly fell out of the air. So we didn't need ventilation or masks. However, after being in this pandemic for over a year and a half now, it's clear that tiny particles filled with coronavirus do actually linger in the air, making it possible for one infected person to become a super spreader in a poorly ventilated area. So only now are some scientists pushing to improve building ventilation and clean up indoor air. While the coronavirus has sparked this conversation about ventilation, this is not a new concept. No, you see, there have been scientists that have recognized that the threat of a deadly airborne virus such as the flu and colds, can also spread through the air. So could a life-altering virus like coronavirus. We've become complacent and just accepted colds and flus as inevitable, but they don't have to be. Why is it not a consideration to redesign the airflow in our buildings to prevent them, just like we redesigned the sewer systems to prevent cholera? We breathe in about eight to 10 liters a minute of pathogens, according to Catherine Noakes. How's that for us to take hope? <laughs> right. uh, who studies indoor air quality at the University of Leeds in England, even with that knowledge, which now will forever permeate my brain. Right. There was still little research done on airborne transmission of common infections. We just didn't see it as a problem until it became a problem. Right. The Atlantic asked one simple question. How much disease are we willing to tolerate before we act? In some schools and workplaces, they're trying to do their part to clean indoor air by using portable HEPA filters, disinfecting UV lights, and even just opening windows. But these quick fixes amount to a Band-Aid 
in poorly designed or functioning buildings. If modern buildings have sophisticated ventilation systems to keep the air smelling good, why not use those same systems to keep indoor air free of viruses too? It will take a lot of work, coordination, money, and agreement to completely overhaul building ventilation systems, but it's not outside our capabilities as we've seen it before with other large-scale public health efforts. And at the end of the day, we have to decide what's more important and how many more deaths are we willing to tolerate before we act. Thanks for listening to Noise Filter, your public health podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the Noise Filter podcast and to follow us on social media. And you can find me at the Dr. Derry, that's D-R-D-E-R-Y. You can follow us at Noise Filter on Instagram, Noise Filter NOLA on Twitter. And to see and share our amazing animations and find out more information about us and the show, go to noisefiltershow.com. Just as a reminder, COVID-19 and the human immunodeficiency virus do share the same risk factors. And you can learn more at www.scaetc.org. Hope, any last words? Stay well out there, folks, and continue taking the steps to keep yourself and loved ones healthy. That includes exercise, a good diet, and seeing your healthcare provider regularly. And protect yourselves and others by getting the COVID-19 vaccine, wearing a mask, and social distancing wherever possible. As an infectious diseases doctor, I also want to share with healthcare providers in our audience that the HIV Care Tools app was recently launched by the AETC and is a fantastic tool for ensuring your patients have the best standard of care. I encourage you to check it out. And remember, health is a human right. Right.